Welcome to today's episode of the Design Leadership Podcast, where we will be speaking with Andrew Bearclough, the Vice President of Design for GlaxoSmithKline, one of the world's largest healthcare and pharmaceutical companies on the planet. Andrew has a very extensive career spanning the past 30 years in various design roles from packaging design to leading design at prominent companies, including Reckitt Benckiser and Novartis. Andrew also sits on the board of directors of the DBA, Design Business Association, a UK-based organization to help further along Design for Business. All right, Andrew, thank you for joining us today on the Design Leadership Podcast. We appreciate your time and all the insights that you will share with us in the community. Just to get going, just curious to know a little bit about your background and how you got to your current role today. Thanks, Jay. Uh, great to talk to you. I think I've probably got quite a mixed background, not, not the normal traditional way that you'd probably end up into this role. Um, I did start out as a designer a long, long time ago, working for a games company, the games company that owned Monopoly at the time. But quite quickly, I moved into a more of an R&D function, working in a product development department, product and packaging development department. Um, and I did that for about five or six years. And then I'll be honest, I kind of got sick of being told what to do by marketing. So I thought I could do it better. So that's when I did a master's degree and decided that I would uh, I'd like to move into marketing. So then I went and worked in marketing at the time for Reki Benkiza for five or six years, doing all the all the skills of brand management and marketing management and probably was the best career move I made to understand how you how you run brands and how you build brands and also helped me understand what I like and what I don't like. And I guess half of that job, the creative side of marketing, I love the maths and numbers side of marketing less so. And that's why I then decided to build my own brand and set up my own design agency, my own product and innovation agency, which I did for, again, about five years before moving out of that business, selling it and working for another agency, which I didn't like so much. There's a big difference between owning half a company to owning 1% of a company. And then that pushed me back, actually, to Reiki Benkiza, where they were looking for somebody who'd been a bit poacher turned gamekeeper to come into their organization and think about how they use design. And it was quite a while ago. It was when P&G put Claudia Kochner on the board and really raised and elevated design to a different level within an FMCG environment. And Reckitts were looking for a very similar kind of understanding. So spent some time there building design management and really focusing on the area that I enjoyed. And then I've spent the last sort of 15 years in the area of design management, most recently 10 years at, at GSK working in their consumer health business, heading up design. Wow, very exciting and uh, let's say diversified background. You mentioned going back for a master's and, and having some opportunities uh, both inside and corporate roles and agency sides. Uh, Andrew, thinking back, is there a, a key moment or uh, uh, would say a defining moment that was maybe a catalyst in your career to help you move from that kind of designer to design leadership position, whether that was a, an actual literal move or just maybe a mindset? Was there something that really stood out as, okay, this was a, a, a major step towards that kind of progression? So I think for me, one of the defining moments to move from designer into design management, design leadership really was when I moved into marketing and understood how you can use creative for commercial gain. 
and how you can use creative idea generation design to actually build brands, improve business performance. And that that's kind of really got me interested in a bit more the field of design leadership versus design doing and problem solving in all its different guises to help solve brand problems and solve consumer problems. And that's why it kind of bounced me into setting up my own design agency, because I kind of fell in love with how you can make things better and how you can solve problems and commercialize that. So that was the big defining uh, from being on the side of the fence where you're kind of on the tools and doing it to more strategically leading it. And that's that's where I got a lot of the motivation and I guess enthusiasm for. You know, it's the thing that I still love solving problems. Yeah, that's really interesting. Uh, as we know, in kind of the design leadership community, it is about uh, I love your quote, creativity for commercial gain, because it is about the end of the day about the business, not just hopefully about the bottom line, maybe the triple bottom line. but uh, I think we see a lot of designers that just want to make beautiful, sexy things, whether products or services, and not really think about the commercialization of it and, and uh, say the many sides of that. So, um, yeah. I think I've been fortunate in my career to have worked very closely in an R&D and supply chain organization and then worked within a marketing and commercial organization. Gives me a different perspective on design and what I do versus having a 30-year career just in design. And it's it's why I'm when it comes to design awards, I'm I'm interested in ones that reward business results, not just people saying it's nice. Yeah. I think it's really important to for us to leverage design for um for for positivity and for good and for commercial outcomes as well as it's a nice thing. Yeah, absolutely. So also thinking back on your career uh, as you've journeyed from designer to marketer to managers and leaders and all those different roles, are there any major hurdles or roadblocks that stand out that you might care to share what those were and maybe how you overcome those? I think I've had a couple of quite big black swan incidents in my career. And I would say that that makes me now always think about Ensuring you have a plan B. I, I think I mentioned briefly that I had my own organization, my own company, and uh, that was probably my first big black swan where my partner was, my business partner was killed in the tsunami. And I never planned to sell that business. I planned to build a big design organization and, and continue doing that as a career move. And therefore, that was a very disruptive thing that came in. And it was partly why it was the main reason why I sold the, sold that company. I then took an, took a job uh, after my time at Ricketts where I was going to relocate my family and everybody to Switzerland and start working for an organization in Switzerland and a uh, great job, build a design function, blank sheet of paper, everything that's perfect. And two weeks before I was due to join that organization, they fired the CMO that I was going to report into. So another big black swan incident that came along and anybody who's got a role within design knows uh sponsorship is key and if you lose the key sponsor it becomes really difficult to do your job and I, I i only spent a year in that job because i without sponsorship i couldn't make it work but what it what it taught me is some of these things that are big changes define you and you can find ways around them and you can 
problem solve yourself out of it. But also, I think it's really important with your career to to hedge, to always be thinking about what is your plan B, looking at career as a chess move and thinking two or three moves in advance, because there will be black swan incidents in everybody's career. Uh, unfortunately, that is the case uh, for us all. So great advice, Andrew. It's a kind of a maybe a little bit uh, cliche, but yes, always have a plan B and, and maybe even a plan C. I think as designers, we we design a lot of things, but we don't always design our career paths, um, our future scenarios. So um, great advice there. Andrew, um, I know you have a very exciting role. You mentioned at GSK for almost 10 years now. Uh, we've been fortunate enough to support you uh, uh, throughout that journey and, and seen some major moves and some, some major progress there. So can you share with us a little bit about your current role and how design is helping to drive the business towards success? Yeah, sure. No problem. So I think my current role is super exciting. I'm very fortunate to have the have the role and the position that I do within the organization. And uh, it's taken quite a while to get there. I think when I first joined the organization, if I asked everybody in the organization, what is design? Most people would talk about it's a piece of packaging or it's pictures on boxes. I think where we are now is we define design very, very broadly within our organization. So without talking again a bit about the cliches of it's about an experience then for sure my team look after that experience and for me that means we look after all our digital design within our organization all of our shopper material e-com material all that design we look at all product design packaging design we look at expert is a huge area for us so dentists and pharmacists uh, the material that's given to them so it's the entire ecosystem of a brand and all of the creative agencies and the design that happens around that brand is something that my team are responsible for and steward and actors. You've probably heard me talk about, we talk about design thinking and then I, I talk a lot about design linking. Design thinking is great, problem solving, but then what's really, really important is that you link everything together. Consumers come in and out of your brand in very different ways and in de- very different spaces. And for them, it's really important that we link the experience together. So for me, I would say I'm in charge of design linking within the organization, as well as responsible for design thinking and making sure we have design thinking. But uh, we have to make sure that we we execute our brands that can be sold in over 140 markets globally in a consistent and coherent way. And I know when we've talked with Park, you know, there's, it's really simple. There's two things we want. We want really high design quality and high design consistency. And if we can get those two things together and link them together, then that's me doing a good job. Yeah, that's me doing a good job. I love it, Andrew. You know, the world is catching up to design thinking, which is great. Uh, We say it's just been design doing uh, repackaged for non-designers, but I really support and applaud the the effort and even the terminology. I think it speaks volumes about design linking because it is about that kind of holistic connection and, and so forth, but very simply said to the organization. So we know you've had some some challenges over the years being in a very large multinational organization. And as you said, when you started, it was uh, maybe design was just perceived as a logo on the box and you've come a long way. Can you share with us some of the bigger, maybe general challenges that you face in your your role or your organization when it comes to design or design linking? 
Yeah, I think one of the things we all struggle with within design is the old question of what's the ROI of design. And uh, I think that the the problem with design or, or one of its greatest weaknesses is design isn't one thing. Design is generally a lots of little things. You'll have also heard me talk about design. I see it less of a fish hook and more as Velcro. It's lots of little things that add up to an incremental gain. And that's sometimes quite difficult to explain and quite difficult to articulate that you know, you've all used a bad banking app and you've all used a good banking app. And it's very difficult to find the terminology and the language to explain why one's good and why one's bad. And it's it's the little things. It's a little attention to detail. So I think explaining what design does is quite difficult. Proving the ROI of design is quite good. Hence, sponsorships really, really key. I think also it's really, really important to I would say get runs on the board early, you know, pick some projects and show show some really good examples. You know, find the poster children that says when you've been involved with something, look, you've got a different outcome to something you weren't involved in and lead through doing. You need to you you can't just talk about it. You have to work, roll up your sleeves and get involved and really make things happen. And that that's part of the journey part of the journey i think for me and choosing your battles yeah it's a it's a very big organization you can't change it overnight you know it will take several years to create traction and and move things forward absolutely um you know you mentioned before about commercial gain and speaking about roi and i think those are the things that the business let's say is is interested in of course they're they're responsible for revenue profits and gains you mentioned before about your very diverse background. How much do you feel that that is coming into play now of kind of, you know, as, as designers being empathy and understanding and, and being able to understand your different stakeholders and how to relate to them in the different roles, marketing, R&D, HR, logistics, all those things? Yeah, I've been very lucky with my background, which means that I can, if you've worked in marketing, you can hold your own in marketing. If you worked in R&D, you can kind of hold your own in R&D. And I think Design within an organization, it's one of the very few departments that cuts across the silos. If we think about an organization, a large one like GSK, it's very, it's very siloed and there's not many functions, perhaps HR, uh, perhaps uh, IT that cuts across those individual silos. And design for me is, that's where I would talk about its greatest weaknesses, its greatest strength. The fact that it is a little bit of everything generally means it has a foot in a lot of those different silos. Design affects supply chain, design affects R&D, design affects consumer insight, design affects uh, brand building. And therefore, having a diverse career background becomes very, very useful as you start to want to leverage design throughout an organization. You need to be able to talk eloquently to the different individuals in charge of some of those different functions in their language and see things through their eyes in the same way a designer looks at a, at a consumer and thinks through their eyes. It's really important that you take those skills into business and walk in the shoes of your internal customers. You know, I'm, I'm not a believer of a ivory tower design department in somewhere cool in Manhattan or London. Um, I'm in favor of my design team all sit 
within the teams of the people doing the work. You know, they're a partner to marketing. They're a partner to the supply chain, to R&D. And I've tried to instill my knowledge into my team of, you know, you've got to walk in the shoes of the different departments. You've got to put their hat on. And I'm lucky enough to have a, a career history that helps me do that. That's great, Andrew. And I really uh, appreciate and applaud that you use the words uh, partner, because I think in the design community, we try and elevate the role of design from the supplier to a partner, um, strategies, et cetera. And that's what they are and should be, as you said, sitting with those stakeholders, a partner in the business, uh, developing and driving value together. So I think that's a, a great testament to your your leadership, uh, your, your, your way of thought and your way of, of organization. I would be remiss not to ask the question as we're both sitting at home right now, and I think the world at large is sitting at home in the current uh, corona pandemic. Anything that you might be able to share as, as far as how the pandemic has affected you and your team from a, an operational standpoint and, and, of course, maybe a psychological and a, an and a emotional mindset, anything that has uh, affected you and maybe how you see things unfolding going forward? Yeah, sure. I think... Um, it's quite interesting. Hi, it's, it's almost like an instant pilot for home working and for remote working. And uh, we're prototyping and piloting and almost design thinking our way through the uh, the ways of working. And perhaps one of the advantages of being a designer is an ability to be a flexible thinker and an ability to deal with problem solving and overcoming. So I think that my team have really embrace the idea of remote working and the tools and trades tips that you can that you can do i think the reality is i've got a global team based around the world and perhaps i would say to summarize 80% of what we do is is relatively easy to do on teams and webex and uh, technology like mural where you can uh, share work together i would say where where it perhaps becomes a little bit frustrating is in that 20% where uh, brand building is a team sport, being creative is a team sport, and getting together in a space and being creative is it's hard to do virtually. And I think it's also when things go wrong and you need to get together and fix things quickly, it's a bit harder. Not impossible, but it's a bit harder. And I think that's what we're adapting to. Normally, when you're working with creative and you're seeing creative work happening, you can change it, you can move, you can um, be a bit more instantaneous. Now we're seeing things evolve over two or three days, and it's probably gone a bit too far before you would have course corrected. But I would say most of my team have, have really, really embraced it, uh, with those few exceptions of wouldn't it be great to get together? just sometimes to be creative. I think some of our external partners also have embraced it. But again, it's the same thing. If if you're used to being out and seeing, getting a flavor for consumers and the environment and the latest trends, it's quite difficult if you're stuck in your bedroom in a 10th floor apartment. How do you get a feel for what's going on? So it's been an interesting trial that I think we'll all learn from. And I believe that it will it will change behavior. You know, the, it will change behavior in the way that people buy, change behavior in the way that people work and the way that people travel and how they utilize their time and see how precious their time is and 
how much time we've all spent commuting in the past and do we really need to do that all the time now? Yeah, so hopefully this is what I call, uh, you know, a new improved normal. So we'll have to see when we get back. But uh, as you said, design is a team sport. And I think many of us in the industry, you, you start to miss the the smell of Sharpies and, and the tactile post-its. Uh, you know, virtual is definitely a substitute, but not a substitute for everything. So um, the jury's still out on that. But speaking about, you know, uh, what's next in the future, I think uh, needless to say, it's been a very exciting time for design over the past decade or decades. And evolving and, and, and emerging and taking on many more responsibilities. And, you know, we try and stay abreast of everything, uh, the latest uh, communication design and, and emotional design and, you know, um, many, many different disciplines. So, Andrew, in your perspective and, and maybe your future forecast, what do you see as the biggest opportunities for design in the coming years or decade? I think um, design design's not getting easier it's getting harder I think as you you say you know design used to be quite simple it was a bit of industrial design it was a bit of furniture design it was a bit of graphic design if we wind the clock back 50 years and as you say now we as a team we're involved in sound design and sonic branding we're involved in some some things that um you could argue is that even really design huh and it's becoming uh a very broad definition of what design is. And I think as a team, you know, our, our challenges are, we talked an awful lot about previously T-shaped designers, you know, quite a deep discipline in certain areas, but then being very broad. I think the length of the top of the T is becoming broader and broader every day. And the amount of creative content and personalized content is probably the challenge going forward as we start creating programmatic advertising, as a lot of brands move into an area of personalization. What that needs is it's it's a lot, it's a it becomes bigger, it becomes more detailed, it becomes more thorough, uh, it becomes more to steal a, a, a word from one of the agencies we work with, rather than an ecosystem, it's all about my ecosystem. It's a ecosystem. It's about understanding me as an individual and designing for me. And there's there's a lot of individuals out there. And how do we how do we lean into not creating um, a whole industry of uh, volumes and volumes of extra work while still delivering for individuals? And, and still tailoring experiences for individuals is the challenge. You know, at one time we we created one product and we put that out across the world. Now, really, we want to create millions and tens of millions of products to go out across the world. And how do we find that balance between being very individualistic whilst being in a global company? And hence, recently, a lot of a lot of local brands are are outperforming and outgrowing global brands because they are they have their finger on the pulse they can react faster they can get closer to their consumers i work in an organization of global brands so how do we have that finger on the pulse how do we do performance marketing how do we create the right material for performance marketing by taking the right data inputs and delivering design and creative against those inputs without needing an army of designers, uh, which is never going to happen. So I, I think that's the challenge for us. You know, we've never had more data, more insight. You could almost argue 
we're almost drunk on data. We've got so much of it. But how do we how do we use it efficiently to talk in a very individual way to our consumers? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we I don't know where the saying came from, but we we borrow the saying big data, small insights. As you said, we're drunk, we're swimming in data, and that's great. But so what? What's that small little insight that we can use to drive and extract value and, and some learnings to to make some improvements? So you mentioned before about the design, uh, um, you know, for commercial gain, uh, creativity for commercial gain and ROI. And and it was just mentioned design has really kind of grown up over the years, uh, certainly the last decade and and many disciplines, uh, one that I'm closer to of, of business design. But what, Andrew, what's your, your position, your take on design attempting to take on some of the bigger, more complex, systematic challenges uh, in organizations such as, uh, you know, uh, what we call design for humanity, but uh, social and environmental issues, uh, really driving front-end business. So where do you feel design is maybe spreading thin or or what is your take on that, uh, let's say, really stepping up to try and do more? I think design's fundamentally a, a problem-solving skill. And I think that most designers would say that at their core, they, they want to make things better. And that that could be a better accounting process. It could be a better product. It, it could be a better HR system. It could be a better business model to go to market. I think the challenge for designers is at some point you have to take your designer hat on and put your business leader hat on where your, uh, your fuel is designed, but you're a business, you're a business leader and that you are, you think in an enterprise way versus a design only way and that's i think it's a lot of designers love love design and they love the smell of a sharpie yeah and i think if you are really going to move into that area you you have to act act more as a general manager than you do as a designer and your your superpower is design but the tip of the spear is i'm here to solve business problems not I'm here to design stuff. And it's it seems quite simple as a thought process, but to to show up as a I'm here to fix business problems and I'm powered by design thinking and design linking. These are some of my tools in my toolbox is a huge shift for a lot of people who work in design and love the design doing. Yeah, love the design doing. And uh, you've you've got to show your value in different ways and turn up with a different a different story. Uh, design is your superpower because that is ultimately uh, what we bring to the table, whether it's uh, problem solving and in different contexts. So I think that's something uh, that we always need to keep in mind in those those core fundamentals and, and skills and attributes that we have in different contexts. Um, Andrew, I know that you work with a global team. Uh, you're sitting in UK yourself. You got a team around the world. Uh, you travel the world as well. Um, I've spent some time on the other side of the pond and travel the world as well. In your personal or professional viewpoint, would you say that there's anything that stands out as far as maybe differences, differences or discrepancies of design in different regions and areas? Or would you say design is design across the board? I think the fundamentals of design are design across the board. I think depending upon what what category you're in, there are different codes and cues and semiotics around design. But I think 
design skills, design problem solving, the design basics are, are the same across the world. You can you can see that from every every car, every country in the world is quite happy to drive a BMW or an Audi, and equally, a lot of countries around the world will drive a Nissan or a you know where, where it's very interchangeable and. A lot of those insights that those designs are solving are equally global insights. Clearly, there's a lot of brands that have an awful lot of local insights, um, but a, a lot of the the skills in order to solve those global insights are are very much interchangeable. I don't. I see potentially uh, there's different design aesthetic across the world, and you can see that in products and. Uh, in some ways, that's a fantastic thing. How huh? we wouldn't all want the same global design aesthetic. You know, we gravitate to Scandinavian design because we like that, or we gravitate towards Japanese design because we like the simplicity of that. I think it would be a shame to lose that that essence. But the fundamentals of design for me uh, are are the same. You know, I have team in China, I have a team in the US, I've got people in Europe, and we're all talking the same language. Yeah, we're all talking the same design language. I think, unfortunately, the design industry doesn't necessarily help itself by saying that maybe certain designs better than another design or type of designs better than another design. And we've not, as an industry, been as tight as we should have been on a global basis in order to leverage the skills we bring. And therefore, other industries have have punched above their weight. You know, the uh, TV advertising and that creative industry that even calls itself the creative industry as if all the other industries are not creative has punched above its weight for, it, for its spend when design on this often has been a silent partner and not really spoken up enough about the value that it can bring to to humanity, to problem solving uh, within the world. Great insights, and uh, yeah, I I think design is design across the world. It's uh you know that's the problem. It's very subjective as well. Uh, different perceptions and takes on it, but I think fundamentally the the skill, the mindset is the same, and it and it should be interpreted differently um, because it's not a one size fits all. Um, Andrew, uh, in closing, uh, you had mentioned in the beginning some great insights about your your career journey and, and some advice that you've kind of uncovered through your own journey. Uh, but in closing, is there any advice for our listeners who may want to advance their career in design leadership, wherever they may be, and anything that you can share to help them maybe elevate design in their organizations? Yeah, so I think my first my first bit of advice is about a little bit of that using using your design skills those design skills that you have to understand consumers understand insight to almost listen with your eyes use that to the different departments and different functions that you're working with yeah how do you how do you become more of a business leader and less of the designer in the room yeah i think it's really important that if you want to advance in design leadership then you have to pick up the skills of finance and pick up the skills of HR and pick up the skills of marketing um, because you have to work across all of those functions. So you, you, your, your training has to morph from design training to brand building training and financial training and business planning training and P&L training. 
all of those skills are things that you need to build. So secondly, I think if you really want to elevate design within an organization, then you have to talk about design as a non-designer. Yeah, I think you have to talk about, if you're talking to the CFO, you have to talk about design as design to value and how can you deliver cost savings and speed and synergy. I think if you're talking to somebody in HR, then you have to talk about how design can bring cultural change within an organization. If you're talking to your CMO, then you're talking about how can design build brands and build equity and create distinctive and memorable experiences. If you're talking to somebody in R&D, then you should be talking about how design thinking can build new innovation and new ideas. I think it's about not, not talking about this is nice, isn't it great, doesn't it solve a problem, do you like it? Yeah, I think the the conversation is far less about design and it's way more about what is design going to do? What is it going to do for you and why is it why should you listen? And then I think it's really really important to move quickly to examples. Yeah, to create the poster child, to create the great example for the CFO that says we redesigned it and now it's it's cheaper and just as good to Look at the HR system and say, look, we redesigned it and now we can onboard people to our organization. It's a much better experience to join our company. You have to prove through doing at some point. You know, you can't talk about it and choose the battles. I think being really, really careful. Generally, a designer will see too much opportunity. So how do you filter down the three things that you're going to do really well to drive traction in the organization? All right. Uh, Some great advice, Andrew. Uh, We appreciate your time. And uh, I love the term design linking and also the the analogy of design being the Velcro uh, with many hooks in in many places. So uh, we look forward to seeing many more uh, fantastic outcomes of you and your team in the marketplace. I know you guys are hard at work uh, doing the linking internally, which is easier said than done. So we appreciate your time and uh, hope that our Listeners uh, take some of this to heart and help them elevate from design to manager to leader. Thanks so much, Andrew. Thanks a lot, Jake. Really appreciate that. Thank you for joining us for this session of the Design Leadership Podcast. I do hope that you gained some valuable insights and inspiration to help further you along in your path in design leadership. If you would like to learn more on how myself and my colleagues have helped to empower design leaders for the past 22 years through consulting, coaching, educating, and uniting design leaders across the globe, please check out our suite of services found online at empowering.design. I wish you the best of success in your design leadership journey and pursuit of design excellence. Be well and stay safe.